some strong encouragement from Pastor Ray Bentley. For those of us facing a tough challenge, the Lord is going to ask you and me to do something that for us is impossible. Jesus says to the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. Impossible. So he could either say, forget it, I've tried it, it doesn't work, or he could obey Jesus. What's impossible for us is possible with God. Spread the news of his people coming down before the King. Lift your voice, Jesus is coming, join the song, sing along, let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. It's been said the richest opportunities often come cleverly disguised as insurmountable obstacles. We can all look back on the spiritual fruit that came after we faced a tough challenge in life. Today, Pastor Ray invites us to look at the obstacles in our path now and prepare ourselves for God to do great things. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter three, beginning in verse one. And the title of the message is Mission Impossible. <laughs> one thing that I need to tell you is that the Lord is going to ask each and every one of us to do something that is impossible for us to do. The Lord is going to ask you and me to do something that for us is impossible. What's impossible for us, though, is possible with God. Amen? So I want you to start thinking about, now what would the Lord be wanting to ask of me? And, and I think in this first story in particular, we're going to see through this story a very powerful and a very personal message for each and every one of us. So beginning in verse one, it says, and he, Jesus, entered the synagogue again. And a man was there who had a withered hand. I want you to begin thinking about this man with a withered hand. Because this particular man with a withered hand that is about to experience the kingdom, power, miraculous healing of the Lord Jesus Christ is a picture of each and every one of us. And what the Lord's going to do in his life uh, is a window through which you can see what the Lord wants to do in your life and in mine. He entered the synagogue again and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they watched him closely whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. So these first two verses, we have a clash of ideas. And it's obvious that in this synagogue situation, uh, very early in Jesus' ministry, he's been baptized at 30 years of age by John the Baptist. And on the day that Jesus uh, was baptized, do you realize that an age began that would last 2,000 years? An era began, a whole new era. And if I could, you know, very simply go over what the Bible lays out, it's very, very simple. From the beginning of creation until the time of Abraham was kind of the era of conscience for 2,000 years, uh, where God spoke uh, to our hearts. But from the time of Abraham until the coming of Christ, it was, of course, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God raising up uh, through Moses the giving of the law. So you have 2,000 years of the giving of the law of God. The law was never meant to make us righteous, but it was to reveal to us that we were sinners and we needed a Savior. But there was 2,000 years of the law. Then, with the baptism 
of Jesus in the Jordan River and the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove. And there Jesus then went to the synagogue in Nazareth and he began to quote the prophecy of Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me and is now upon me to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to preach good news to the poor and the kingdom of God and, and uh, the setting the captives free. So that began this entire 2000 year period of the grace of God, 2000 years of grace. We are now coming to the end of that 2000 years and the next uh, age and era is the kingdom of God. So we're kind of in a transition time between the grace of God through the church and the kingdom of God where the king of kings and Lord of lords come, amen? So here Jesus, uh, having begun this, this age of grace, has gone in now to a Sabbath, and there's a clash between the religious leaders who are at odds uh, with Jesus. And there are some members of, so I want you to imagine this is a synagogue, and um, there is uh, somewhere in the front row a man that has been coming faithfully to the synagogue for a very long time, and he has a withered hand. He is, he is the neediest person. And up in the front row are uh, some designated religious uh, guests from the Sanhedrin. But they're also kind of the religious police. And they're sitting there waiting because they know Yeshua of Nazareth has come to this synagogue. They know and see that there is a man with a withered hand up near the front of the synagogue. And they know that this Yeshua is going to heal this man on the Sabbath, which in their minds is against the law. That is breaking the law of God because to heal someone is to do work on the Sabbath and you're not to do any work on the Sabbath. So they are sitting there waiting. I think it's interesting Jesus' enemies knew his nature and character would be moved to this man with a withered hand. So for Jesus, uh, who they've already been following him, they've already been, and I'm talking about the, the religious leaders who have come even from Jerusalem, they feel that he has not come through them in an approved way. He is breaking their understanding of the laws and of the traditions. And for Jesus himself to go back into the synagogue at this point was a very brave thing to do. He goes right to the place and the point of contact. He is not afraid to confront what is wrong. If you would be his disciples, Jesus said, then come after me, deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow me. So it's interesting, these uh, men who were there on that day that came from the Sanhedrin were not there to learn. They were there to be critical. Now, the heart of Jesus, look with me in verses three and four. It says in verse three, and he said to the man who had the withered hand. So you, you get the scene, they're all watching. There's the guy with the withered hand. Verse three, he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. <laughs> this is a tense moment. And they go, they're elbowing each other. Say, I told you, he's gonna go right for the guy with the withered hand, right off the bat, I mean, you know. And he said to them in verse four, is it lawful? So Jesus doesn't play games or charades or act, you know, try to make nice. He goes right to the guys that are sitting there in the front row who are there to accuse him, critical in their minds, and he asks directly this question. Kind of an unusual synagogue service, I'm sure. Step forward, and then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. 
What are they going to say? He goes, look, is it okay to do good or to do evil? Well, what can they say? They can't say, well, to do evil, so to do good. To save life or to kill it? Well, again, they're left with no choice, but, you know, to save life. So he had them so trapped that though they wanted to be able to say what they believed and that their interpretation was right, they couldn't really say anything. With the question, he had really uh, rather trapped them. And so they knew that Jesus would be moved to heal, and they also knew this, that Jesus would go to the neediest person in the room. And I want you to note that. I put that in your notes. Notice Jesus is interested in the neediest person in the room. We often think that Jesus is not interested in us uh, because our needs maybe are too great. Or other times we think he's not interested in us because our needs are not great enough. One way or another, we as human beings have a way of marginalizing ourselves that other people are going to get his attention or are needy or whatever. The reality is, do you know who the neediest person here really is? All of us should go ahead and raise your hands. You are the neediest person that is here tonight. And I want you to know that in the mind of the Lord, this is what I've found, is that he has a way of treating every single one of us as if you were his favorite. The guy with the withered hand, he's going, man, I sure hope Jesus notices me. And Jesus goes right to him right off the bat. I love that about the Lord. And then in verses five and six. So once they were left with silence, they kept silence, verse five, and when he had looked around at them with anger, so Jesus is angry at these guys because they don't answer his question. He had them trapped, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts. They would have left and felt they had done God a service by leaving that guy with a withered hand at the end of church or the end of synagogue. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored as whole as the other. And then the Pharisees went out immediately plotted with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. These were, you know, the Herodians are people that are into the politics. They're not even into religion. So because they had a common enemy, uh, the, you know, political crowd with Herod thought Jesus was a threat, but now the religious leaders think he's a threat. So because they have a common enemy, they're coming together. It's really rather sad. But I want you to notice what, what Jesus finally does. He deals with, uh, you know, the, the, the religious police, as it were. He comes to the man with a withered hand, and Jesus gives him a command and asks him to do the impossible. Stretch forth your hand. This man couldn't do that. But Jesus, so you imagine, you've got a withered hand. It's been this way all your life. And now Jesus says, I want you to stretch it forth. And the man has a choice to make at that moment. He could easily give all the excuses of, I would love to stretch forth my hand, but I can't. As you can see, it's withered. He could have said to Jesus, do you know how many times I've tried and wished that I could make my hand like my other hand, but I have failed? Do you know how many failures I've been through? Do you know how many disappointments? How many times I've wished that I would be healed, but I have not? He could have rehearsed his whole life story. Jesus says to the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. Impossible. So he could either say, forget it. I've tried it. It doesn't work. Or he could obey Jesus. You say, well, how does a man with a withered hand obey Jesus? There's only one way. 
try. Now, if you have a pen or pencil, write down that three-letter little word, try. Because now he is doing it at the command of the one who the winds and the waves obey him. The one who has all power, who has all authority in heaven and earth. When Jesus says, stretch forth your hand, he now could choose to try to stretch forth his hand, which before he could not do, but now immediately when he tried at the command of Jesus, he did it and his hand was made whole, as whole as the other hand. In other words, the moment you choose to will to obey Christ, in that moment, it releases the miraculous presence of God Almighty and the miraculous in your life. Hallelujah. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray went to heaven, we've received encouraging comments from listeners around the country and also near to home. We have been listening to Pastor Ray for 25 years. He was always excited to preach about Jesus and couldn't wait to see him face to face. Now he is happy with the Lord with no more pain or sadness. Thank you for leading our family with your easy to understand sermons every week. May the Lord give comfort and strength to the Bentley family. Although he's gone home, his teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at www.raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. So many times Jesus says things to us that are impossible. And this is where you have to be in your own mind and in your own heart. This is, this is the message that's not written in my notes uh, or with words. This is that kind of in between the words and in between the lines, the Holy Spirit's message to you and to me. Jesus tonight is pointing to that area that is withered in me and in you. He is pointing to that blighted area in your life that you are ashamed of or that you are afraid of. Uh, that has left you either physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually deformed. And, and he is that very thing that is destroying you from the inside, he is now saying, I want you to give me that hand, and I want you to trust in me, and I command you in my name, in my power, in my authority, do what I command you to do, because at this moment, if you try, you can do it. If you obey me, you will find the power present to make it come to pass. That's the awesome thing. Now, I just put a few suggestions here in your notes. It could be an attitude that you have that you can't get over, a temper uh, that you cannot control, some area weakness of the flesh, some other area of failure in your life. That is the very thing that Jesus wants to address in your life and in mind. <laughs> and notice that Jesus did not talk about his good hand. He didn't say, wow, the one hand you've got really looks nice tonight. I'm really enjoying that good hand. Let's not talk about the other one. So often we want Jesus to come out, commend us on the areas that we look okay, that we're doing good. But he, he, listen, he's glad for the hand that was fine and working, as it should, made in the image and likeness of our Father in heaven. But what he's concerned about is the one that's withered. He goes right to the area of weakness, right to the area that's blighted, right to the area of vulnerability. 
Jesus wasn't interested in the hand that was okay. He was very interested in the hand that wasn't okay. Jesus is interested tonight in the areas of your life that are hurting and that are weak and that are, you feel like a failure and that you are very vulnerable. And now he says to you, I command you, I command you, stretch forth, obey me. Do what you have never been able to do, but now I'm telling you, I'm asking you, I'm commanding you, now do it. You are free, you are delivered, you are whole, and, and experience a wholeness in that part of your character and your nature and in your life. Now, the moment the Lord says you are healed and that you are whole and you are delivered, now you have a choice. You have a choice just like that man. You could say, but Lord, I've tried so many times. I have failed, I have promised, uh, I, but, but you know, oh Lord, I, I, I want to, I wish I could, and you can sit right there and not experience his miraculous power. Or now in obedience, you can say, really Lord? You see that area? You love me, you care for me, you, you wanna heal me? Okay, Lord, now, I'm gonna walk with you. I'm gonna walk in your word. I'm gonna walk in the truth. I, I'm free, okay? Because when Jesus commands us to do something, in the command is the power to do what he commands. You and I can walk in holiness, in the holiness of the Lord, and we can walk in the will of God. We can honor the Lord in every area of our lives. I love that story about Jesus. And may you be healed, may you be touched, may you be whole, may that withered, blighted area of your life tonight as you stretch forth and try trusting in Jesus, may you be healed in Jesus' mighty, powerful, wonderful name. Amen. Amen. All right, look with me in verse seven. And we're just gonna quickly look at these verses as Jesus goes on. It says, but Jesus withdrew with his disciples now to the sea. And a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and beyond the Jordan, and those from Tyre and Sidon, this is all the way up into Lebanon, a great multitude, when they heard how many things he was doing, they came to him. And so he told his disciples uh, that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they should <laughs> crush him. <laughs> I love that. There were so many people around Jesus that he said, look, I, I'm, I'm being crushed by the people. Can you imagine anybody with any you know, illness or disease or uh, crippling or even spiritual problems or demons or whatever, they got near Jesus and things were popping out of them and, and things were aligning and they're healed and people are going crazy and they're getting every sick person that they know, uh, you know and, and their family and all their weird little cousins and they're bringing them to Jesus. And every time they get near Jesus, oh, I touched him and I got healed, and I touched him and I got healed, and, and so they're getting close to it. How many of you, if Jesus were here, you would maybe push a little bit to be able to just touch him? Give him a hug, grab his hand or his arm, or put your hand on his shoulder, or uh, just be near him. That's what was happening. So many that they were crushing him. And so they're taking Jesus, and, and he says, could you put a little boat out there? Because I do want to minister to them all. Now what an awesome thing, the people are all standing on the shore, Jesus in a boat. And even there, without having to touch them, he could just speak the word. And his word, touching, healing, delivering, casting out devils, and miracle after miracle, so many miracles were happening. 
In verse 10, for he healed many so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him and the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out saying, you are the son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. He doesn't need the testimony of devils, even though they know who he is. He'd rather have his own sons and daughters tell the world who he is. Verse 13, and he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. Now that's interesting. Whenever the miraculous happens, it always gets a mob and a big crowd. But Jesus knew that some people, that's all they really wanted. They were like, okay, what's the next miracle? When's the next demon gonna come out of somebody? When's the next supernatural thing gonna happen? And Jesus wasn't, if that's all you came for, look, if you get delivered, that's great. But the miracles were a setup to now begin walking with Jesus and, and learning from Jesus and being one of his disciples. Did you hear what I just said? The miraculous is not an end in itself. The miraculous is to prepare our hearts to walk into discipleship with Jesus. When God you know, reveals his power, his presence and his glory, it is so the word we're, we're look, wow, the Holy One is among us. And it, it's to cause our hearts to want to repent personally, individually, get everything that is foreign, idolatry, weirdness, the flesh, the world, the devil, out of our lives, and then live wholly for him and follow him and know him and walk with him and experience him. That's what the miraculous is for, for true repentance and a return to the Lord and a walk in holiness. And so he, he had the multitude, but uh, he called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. And then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. I love this. Jesus kind of renames people. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, <laughs> which the sons of thunder. Those were the guys that said, wow, Jesus, Man, the wind, the waves obey you. Could you just call some fireballs? We really always wanted to see fireballs call and smoke some people down on the earth. <laughs> and the Lord said, no, 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 no. But, but then from that moment, he did call them. I'm going to nickname you guys the Sons of Thunder. You guys love it when, you know, the rock and roll thunder comes. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. And they went into a house. I love that, we'll end there. All this out ministry is going out everywhere and then he gets his disciples and they enter into a home. And while it's good to meet on a Sunday, a Saturday, a Wednesday, and, and, and large groups to worship and sing and praise and have communion, but it also is important to meet in homes. And, and for especially this day and this hour, this decade that I like to call the decade of destiny, we need brothers and sisters that we have close, personal relationships with so we can pray for one another, comfort one another, encourage one another, lay hands on one another, help one another, uh, supply one another's needs. Amen? Pastor Ray Bentley with personal application to what we've been studying in Mark chapter 3 today here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled Mission Impossible. 
If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com. There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a written tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day automatically at no charge, and also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. So why not bookmark it, raybentley.com. And you'll find Pastor Ray's books, including his brand new one, The Final Witness, and The Cyrus Mandate, both page-turning prophetic fiction novels in the Elijah Chronicles series. You'll see End Times Prophecy in a whole new light. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Well, next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Mark. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.